I had the privilege this weekend of gathering with the family of Gordon Van Wylen to celebrate his life and to grieve with them in his death. One hundred years of life and accomplishment. The president of Hope College, philanthropist, visionary. If we spent our time listing all of the accomplishments, we'd run out of the internet. Uh, Gordon and his wife, Margaret, 15 years ago, planned the details of their funeral services. Uh, They told the preacher what to preach from. They suggested the songs and the hymns that would be sung. Gordon wanted crown him with many crowns to be sung, and then he commented as to why we'd sing that hymn, because it focuses on the life and work of Jesus Christ. Uh, He wanted for all the saints to be sung because every time he'd gone to a memorial service and that hymn had been sung, it did ministry to his heart and he wanted others to be ministered in the same way. At the very end of the instructions uh, that he had given, he added this interesting phrase. Remember, 15 years ago, if for some reason you're not able to gather in person, feel free to disregard these instructions. How did he know? How could he see? Uh, there's another instruction that he gave for the funeral service that I want you to hear, uh, but first we have a little work to do. Uh, I've asked a few of my friends to help me do the work, carry the load. My friend Pablo is going to read for us from the great reformer John Wesley. Uh, Listen to this. Bring me a worm that can comprehend a human, and then I will show you a human that can comprehend the triune God. I love that. I love that. That's how big and grand and glorious our God is. Now, my friends Rick and Mary Lyons are going to read for us from a different reformer just to balance things out, a man named John Calvin. Uh, One of the reasons I'm having Rick and Mary read for us, Mary has a very serious back surgery early next week, the recovery of which will take six to nine months Uh, I want them to read and you to remember to pray. Listen to this. Hello, Pillar friends. It's a privilege to share with you these words from the theologian John Calvin. Quote, However many blessings we expect from God, his infinite liberality will always exceed all our wishes and our thoughts. I love that. My friends Pablo and Rick and Mary reminding us God God bigger than, God other than, God more glorious than. Isaiah, the prophet, caught a vision of the same God. Listen. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. High and lofty, the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each of them had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they flew. They called to one another, holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, the whole earth is full of your glory. The pivots of the threshold shook at the sound of their voice and the house filled with smoke. I said, woe is me, I'm lost, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Then one of the seraphs flew to me holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt is blotted out. Your sin has departed. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And the Lord said, go and say to the people, keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not comprehend. Make the minds of the people dull. Stop their ears, shut their eyes, so that they may not look with their eyes or listen with their ears or comprehend with their minds to turn and be healed. And I said, O Lord, how long? And the Lord said, until the city lies waste without inhabitants, people without homes. The land is desolate until the Lord sends everyone far away, until vast is the emptiness in the midst of the land. Even if a tenth part remains in it, it shall burn again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump is standing when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Isaiah 6. It's the vision of the other than, bigger than, more glorious than God. And when Isaiah is confronted by God, the first words out of his mouth, Whoa! Whoa! Woe is me! Frankly, I think we could, we would be helped by recapturing a healthy dose of woe. We're pretty comfortable with God. Well, the God we've made in our own image. We sort of project out our own thoughts and feelings and values and virtues and call them God. And lo and behold, God looks an awful lot like me. God thinks an awful lot like I do. God acts just kind of like I would. The, the, The most trite example of this are the pictures of Jesus you see, the white blue-eyed, blonde-haired Jesus. He was Jewish. He was from the Mediterranean. The, the likelihood of Jesus having blue eyes and blonde hairs, as much as I like blue eyes and blonde hair, the likelihood of Jesus having blue eyes and blonde hair is the likelihood of a local high school's JV team beating someone in the pros. It's not gonna happen. But it's not, we can, we can dismiss a picture as inauthentic, but we do it in other ways too. We make God just like us. And then, lo and behold, God affirms all of the things that I've always felt, always thought, always wanted. We, could, we, could, we would be helped to recapture a healthy dose of woe. Uh, St. Augustine uh, was pushing on the same thing in a sermon that he preached. If you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, It's not the gospel you believe, but yourself. Whoa. Whoa. And can I I just point out where the bigger than, greater than, more glorious than God is sitting in Isaiah's vision? In the year that King Uzziah died, King Uzziah, the beloved king, reigned for 40 years. It was a time of prosperity and flourishing. King Uzziah died. And I saw the Lord sitting on the throne God sits on the throne. 
And if I can just be honest, if I can push a little bit, we live in a moment of political turmoil and strife and chaos and confusion, and we wonder what's next, and we wonder will there be violence, and our anxieties rise all the while God sits on the throne, which is not an invitation into apathy, but rather a call to courage. The bigger than, other than, more glorious than God sits on the throne. Whoa! In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lofty. The hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each of them had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they flew. They called to one another, holy, 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 Lord, God of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. Whoa! The bigger than, other than, more glorious than God, though, does not want to remain separate, chooses to come near, chooses to draw close. The Isaiah who says, woe, then says, yet my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. God chooses to come near. Up until this point, anyone who saw God, it was a death sentence from Moses onward. To look at God was to die. But now here, Isaiah, yet my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. That's God's heart to reveal, to show up, to come near. God came to the first man and the first woman and made them. And then even after their disobedience, showed up at the time of the evening breeze. God showed up to their boy Cain who killed Abel and marked him so no one would harm him. God showed up to Noah with an ark and Abram with a promise and Isaac in a thicket and Jacob near the brook and Joseph with a dream and Naomi in her bitterness and Ruth in her loyalty and Esther for such a time and Mary finally fully the promise of the one, Jesus, the one who draws near most clearly the image of the other than, bigger than, more glorious than God is Jesus Christ who comes to us and leaves his spirit with us. God chooses not to stay distant, but rather to draw close. Isaiah who says, whoa, and we could use a healthy dose of woe, also says, yet God comes to us not to reduce God to an image of ourselves, but rather to lift us up to be like God, to perfect in us the image of God we were given from the beginning. Isaiah says, whoa, and Isaiah says, yet, and Isaiah says, I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. Confronted by the image of the other than, more glorious than, bigger than God who chooses to come close, Isaiah is invited into an honest assessment of his own life and circumstances. I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. For five, this, is, this is Isaiah 6. Biblical scholars wonder, why is the vision located in Isaiah 6 and not at the beginning of the book of Isaiah you know, Isaiah sees the vision and says, here I am, send me, and then you'd get the rest of the book. Biblical scholars wonder, why is the vision in Isaiah 6? For the first five chapters of Isaiah, he just absolutely unloads wrath, pointing the finger, placing blame, critiquing harshly, judging clearly. And then he sees a vision of God, and then he takes an assessment of his own life. I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. We've spent a lot of time recently, I think we're good at it in general, pointing the finger in another direction. 
placing blame on someone else. I've been watching commercials doing that. Highly paid commercials telling me how bad someone else is. And I get why they do it. I understand why they do it. But let's not do it, okay? Let's not do that. Isaiah says, whoa, I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. I've uh, watched this uh, documentary this week called The Social Dilemma. I would not recommend it. Uh, Your heart will break. It's basically the interview of a whole host of higher-ups in social media platform organizations like Google and Instagram and Facebook who left those companies based on ethical reasons. They couldn't do it anymore. They saw the manipulation of the human heart and they couldn't do it anymore. I haven't actually watched the entire documentary yet. It was too much for me to handle in one sitting and I have four kids. But I did get through enough to notice a question they kept asking. What is the problem? What's the problem? And each of them sat silently in front of the question, what's the problem? Well, it's pretty nuanced, actually, pretty complicated, but I wonder if it begins, I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. A G.K. Chesterton was once asked to write an essay in response to the question, what's wrong with the world? And his essay went like this. I'm going to give it all to you. Dear sirs, I am, sincerely, G.K. I'm lost. I'm a man. We don't have to point the finger. We, we, we can acknowledge the woes, and I live among a people of unclean lips, but let's, let's take some time, maybe take some time this week, amidst all of the yelling and the arguing and the pointing and the blaming and a her and a him and it's a you, maybe... Maybe an honest assessment of your own life, which is not an exercise in self-loathing, an exercise in self-deprecating, but when confronted by the vision of the other than, more glorious than God who chooses to come near, we're called to a better way. We're called to a different life. The Apostle Paul says the, uh, the old is gone, the new has come. The, the Apostle Paul says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and run with perseverance the race that is set before us. When confronted by the living God who draws near to us, we're called for something more. So what is it in your life you need to name, you need to be honest about, to pursue a better life, a different way, a flourishing, thriving that God has in mind for you? The other than, bigger than, more glorious than God chooses to come near. And we say, whoa, I'm lost. And then Isaiah gets the coal, it touches his mouth. He's cleansed, the guilt is departed, and your sin is blotted out. And the voice says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah's like, yeah, me, I will, here I am, send me. And those of us who have ever spent any time with Isaiah 6, we stop there and we start chest bumping and slapping fives like, yeah, send me too. We like to go for you, God. We use that language a lot around pillar, sent and gathered. You're about to enter every sector of public life to claim it for Christ. We call ourselves the church scattered. Think about it. There's 168 hours in a week. If you're like a super hyper crazy church volunteer, you might be here for 10 hours a week. That means there's 158 hours where you're somewhere else. Go is the orientation. Go is the inevitability. 
And when we say go, we think acts of mercy, cups of cold water, plates of food, a commitment to justice, reconciliation, evangelism, wherever you are. But that's not the go Isaiah got. I don't know if you noticed. Go and say to this people, keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. Make the mind of this people dull and stop their ears and shut their eyes and so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and comprehend with their minds and turn and be healed. What? That's not the go I want. I want the go that gets accolades. I want the go people notice, not the go with judgment. And, and Isaiah asks out of compassion, how long, O Lord? And the judgment keeps rolling and the wrath keeps coming until cities lie waste without inhabitants and houses without people and the land is utterly desolate and the judgment keeps coming, the wrath keeps going until the Lord sends everyone far away and vast is the emptiness in the midst of the land. Even if a tenth part remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains standing when it is felled. The wrath keeps coming, the judgment keeps rolling. God's fierce love presents as wrath, judgment, anger, Until his better purposes are realized, he's not willing to allow us to continue to wallow in irreconciliation and bitterness and anger and hatred and pointing and blaming. The wrath keeps coming. God's fierce love presents as anger and judgment. And then finally, it's almost imperceptible. You have to spend a lot of time with Isaiah 6 to even see it. Isaiah 6 ends... The holy seed is its stump. The holy seed is its stump. Finally, God's wrath, born out of fierce love, gives way to his better purpose, the better person, the holy seed, Jesus Christ, is its stump. Isaiah's been playing with that imagery before. A shoot shall come forth from the stump of Jesse. The holy seed is its stump. Jesus Christ takes on himself the wrath of God. He takes it with him to the cross where he cries out, my God, my God, why? He takes it with him to the grave where he takes on the forces of evil and sin and cycles of sickness in our world. He leaves them in the grave only to rise up in resurrection. He who went down comes up again in resurrection to offer life, full, whole life, God's better purposes on display. God's fierce love that shows as wrath finally gives way to his truer, better purpose, Jesus Christ. So I uh, gathered with the Van Wyland family this weekend. Gordon lived to be a hundred years old. Think about it. The ashes of World War I were still hot at his birth date. And the Great Depression was still on the way. And he, he was in World War II in a submarine and the sexual revolution, and the civil rights movement, and Vietnam, and all of it. About 15 years ago, he planned his own service. Uh, Gordon Van Wyland, if you know him, he, he's, he's, he's like a larger-than-life figure for a lot of us. I mean, like, actually, he was really tall and kind of intimidating in that way, and he was wise, and he was clear, and he was determined. He was courageous. I remember one time we were uh, planning the building project here at Pillar, and we went, uh, we needed land if we're going to add on. So we went to, Gordon had the idea of going to every property owner on our block to see if they'd be willing to cooperate with us by selling us their property. And every one of them to a person said no. And afterwards, I said 
to Gordon, well, what are we going to do? And he looked at me with a twinkle in his eye as if to say, son, we have not even begun to negotiate. And we got the land. Uh, he planned his own service. Uh, instructions uh, for us as we gathered. The overall theme should be a worship service that is a joyful celebration of and testimony to God's goodness and grace to us in Jesus Christ. In general terms, I'd like the overall theme of this service to be joy and gratitude to God for his goodness and grace and love so generously given to me in Jesus Christ throughout my life. And then he adds this line, which I thought was beautiful. Recently it struck me that the theme for my life could well be standing in God's grace, the undeserved love of God in Jesus Christ. I love that. Recently, it struck me, the theme for my life, the theme for my life, the theme for our life, standing in God's grace, the undeserved love of God in Jesus Christ. That's Isaiah's vision. That's Isaiah's promise. That's the gospel. The holy seed is its stump. Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.